0: Fantastic. Welcome all the way from Texas. How hot is it for y'all today?
1: Um, I'm kind of temperate. I think it's just barely cracking 100 today. Oh <laughs> We're kind of starting to head towards fall. Yeah. So,
0: like, like, wait, barely. So, is it usually 100 for y'all? It's been. It's yeah, been it's, over
2: 100.
1: And what's funny is it's actually kind of been a, a weird summer in that we were cracking uh, 110 in June. Normally, that waits till August. August has been kind of temperate by comparison. Like I say, we're barely cracking hundred degrees here in August. So really? it's been a, it's been an
0: interesting uh, summer. Wow. Yeah. Um, I'm over on East coast. We don't usually get that hot. <laughs> so...
1: I know. No, it, it gets really dangerous. If you guys are cracking triple digits.
0: Yeah. Like that is very unusual for us, but I digress anyway. Welcome Derek and Derek. How are y'all today?
2: We're good. Pretty great. He he actually worked. I didn't. Yeah.
1: um, I slept in my third of three jobs uh, did not end until two o'clock, which was the, uh, the start time of the podcast. I did not realize. So I apologize. That's I'm I'm the reason we're a little bit late. I apologize. No,
0: you are perfectly fine. I was just like, we're going to get coffee. And then I was like, ah, Makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, I told him to come over early. <laughs> I, it's And it's actually completely, um, you know, it's coincidence that I jumped on and looked at Instagram and saw you were there and I saw the request to jump on. I'm like, are we doing this right now? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not a problem at all, but I'm glad I have both of you. So please, 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 please share with the listeners. Uh, you both are Derek and Derek. And you are also best friends please tell us how did you met and how did you meet and how did writing get started for you
1: well we met because i was working at hastings uh, which was a uh, uh, books music and video store um a little over 10 years ago now uh, i was a book manager over there and this was when hastings started carrying comics and derek was reading one of the new releases that had come out that week i'd already read it I kind of pointed out that I liked the comic he was reading. That led to a two hours while I was on the clock conversation, um, skip forward a couple of months. Uh, he comes and finds me in my department and says, my wife thinks we should be friends because I really enjoyed talking to you that one time. And um, I thought that was awesome. I was kind of flattered. It was really kind. And um, I enjoyed the conversation Well, I remembered him. Um, which can be difficult in a retail environment, mm-hmm. and that led uh-huh. to us hanging out, talking about comics and movies and all kinds of pop culture nonsense. Uh, somewhere in there, just being comics fans, he mentioned that he was working on a comic book uh, that he is holding up right now. This is the very first project we worked on really? together. Really? Um, mm-hmm. It was something he started with another friend. Did not love the script that he had. Had some scenes that he just could not break, uh, and was just kind of chatting idly about that and. I had, at that point, had a play put on here in my hometown. I'd written some short stories. I'd recently picked up a novel again that I'd been working on on and off since I was 16. So I was kind of in a writerly mode. And I was like, if you would like, I can take a look at the script and, you know, see if there's anything I can do to help kind of punch it up. Uh, Instead, he gave me a scene, one of those scenes that he just could not crack. And I kind of took it as a challenge. I was like, maybe if I can, you know, really nail this scene, maybe he'll let me write for him.
2: Yeah. And um,
1: I really worked on it and I tried to put, you know, my best foot forward and I ended up with what ended up being about 20 pages worth of dialogue for a comic book because I had no idea how to write comics. 28? Yeah. (laughs) If you, if you paste it out properly. Um, But that did lead to uh, our initial collaboration, which has led to 10 years of collaboration, comics, children's books, um, all kinds of stuff.
0: Oh, that's so exciting. So like not only are there comics, there's children's books. we um we have a comment that says love the Superman Chief <laughs> please yes, <laughs> and I I love how it all started with comics because I was looking at you know your book that you know um you have with tabletop and I like that it's like comic book style but for kids right was that intentional please tell us about you know how was that
2: um well actually. <laughs> My individual project was the one that was really like. So, I did two books. I did one that was magic boxing gloves, and you know, these are the ones we were kind of selling out of the trunk of our car for the lack of a better. Wait, did
0: you also illustrate that one? Yes.
2: So, he did did two books by that is. Yeah, this is the very first one that I did, and it was dedicated. It was actually supposed to be a birthday present to my youngest, um, who was wanting, at the time, wanted to do taekwondo. And so, I did a second book. And that one was Mickey's March, which is the one yeah. that first got picked up by um, first got released by, by tabletop. And that one was very much in a comic book format. It had the word balloons and, and everything. And then after I had knocked those two out, he was like, you know what? I want to try. And <laughs> yeah. He had a couple of ideas and I just kind of ran with them because, you know, it, it, I feel like I don't know. I don't always have the words. He's definitely got the words. But he's got this idea in my head, in his head, and we have a really great way of, like, pulling those ideas out of each other or, or giving them some life. So you just it's a, it's a true them.
1: collaboration. You know, we, uh, our work is stronger because of each other. You and can what's tell interesting out. about Schnafter is, again, just like when I started writing for him, I didn't know how to write comics. I had no idea how to write a kid's book. So I gave him a children's book script that looked like a comic script. It was the same format as I would have written a comic book for him. Um, which is basically page one, here's the page descriptor, here's the dialogue broken up by character, you know, speaking or narrating or however you want to put it in the book. And he was able to turn that into a page of narration and a page of art and split it up that way. But that was an artistic decision on his part, just based on how I was able to, like, conceive um, a children's book being just scripted.
0: Oh, like, that's, like... It's very exciting because it makes me kind of think, you know, growing up, there's always like, oh, you know, comic books, you know, put them away, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But you have really taken comic books and you've shown it in this interesting medium for kids. And it's really interesting because, you know, again, like I I think of superheroes and I think of comics and it kind of has that style. But tells it more about the story, right? Is it all action-packed? What are you know? Tell us more about the story.
2: It, it's not even a not even a little bit. What's funny about it is that as much as we love both love comics and he did say he's written some plays. um He's really good at writing slice of life stuff. I mean, he's written some things like that I've read. And I'm just like this is there's no action. It's two people talking on a page, but there's a lot of heart in it. Yeah, and. For, that bleeds onto the page, especially when he's doing things like, like the story of Schmonster. I mean, it's very simple. It's very simple, very, but there's a lot of wit to it at the same time. Mm. And it, you know, some of his other ideas that we talked about before, um, this is actually not his first attempt at a children's book. <laughs> I actually, this is the one I drew first or yeah. finished first. Yeah, the yeah. other one I started drawing on and then I got really excited about this one. And I have, I don't know, attention artist <laughs> attention deficit disorder. So it's whatever's exciting me at the time is what I'm going to like go headlong into. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's why we have so many unfinished <laughs> so many unfinished projects.
0: But we have a comment here that says Emily is definitely my favorite heroine. Please tell us about Emily. Who is she? Oh Jesus. <laughs> star of Schmonster
1: the Monster and uh, all the other books coming out um, from the Schmonster series. Uh, she is the little girl who discovers the monster under her bed and decides that um, initially she's very scared. Yeah. There's a monster under her bed. She doesn't know what it looks like. Uh, she starts imagining all these terrible things that could happen and then realizes that she needs to remind <laughs> need me to fight Schmonster yeah. for control of her room. so she, <laughs> she gets brave. She gears up and she goes to, to take Schmonster on but finds out that
0: maybe the monster under the bed isn't so scary after all. Just the the, the images are just as beautiful and as strong as the story, the words that you were talking about. Like there's so much you can like see the action and all of the emotion in the image as well. So you definitely can see that you two have a partnership there um I'm curious as like a, a writer how is it co-working right do you you know you come up with the words first do the images you know what does your process look like when you are working on a project it de-
1: depends on the project honestly uh, a lot of times um I will conceive of a plot or an idea we'll talk about it um i'll go and write a full script but even when i'm if i do a complete full script and have everything detailed out the way i'm thinking of it he's going to come up with something that i never conceived of uh, a way of, of looking at the page just dynamically and artistically or a character design that just didn't cross my mind um for example the biggest one for this particular project my initial conception was that Schmonster would never get out from under the bed. He was always going to be the monster under the bed. You'd only see the tentacles and occasionally the teeth of the eyeballs. And when he started sending me pages, you know, he had Schmonster, you know, very clearly on page, uh, smiling, uh, very kind yeah. eyes, uh, waving his tentacles when he was dancing. And I was like, I cannot put this thing back under the bed. He's too sweet. Mm. He's too cute. Mm. And having him being able to physically interact with Emily on page as opposed to just being this shadowy something, it, it was so much better than what I had initially conceived that it ended up making the book stronger and better.
0: Mm, very interesting. Um, we have another question here, which I really wanna know, which is why have the main characters be a monster and a young girl? Is there any significance there?
1: Um, For me, it was a lot of, when I first thought about kids' books, beyond the first one that I, that I kind of wrote, and there's a funny story behind that one. I had a conversation recently with my wife about how horror and monsters had kind of, you don't get the same kind of safe but still scary monsters and horror that we got in the 80s when I was growing up. You know, there's, there's no Goonies, there's no Gremlins, there's not really that kind of safe but still scary. Um, and that was my initial intention when I came to uh, coming up with Schmonster and the idea of uh, the monster under the bed. Uh, and when I first, the very first ideas that came to me for Schmonster were the tentacles and the teeth and, and the, the eyes, you know, all these very otherworldly things. And when the, the book actually finally kind of came together, it, um, it was definitely a lot less scary than i had initially uh, conceived it in my head, but I also ended up angling it a lot younger than I think I initially intended to. Um, but that was the concept. Was I love monsters? I think monsters are really cool. And even as a kid, I was not yeah. a Freddy kid. I was not a Jason kid. The slashers genuinely scared me. Um, but like Creature from Black Lagoon or Godzilla, or I had my pet monster. Those were cool. Those were neat. Those were things that I thought were you know the the interesting looking characters. And I wanted to kind of pass that love of the the interesting the weird onto the next generation of readers. Um, as far as Emily. I just thought it was actually neater and more fun to have a girl confront her monsters mm-hmm. than it would be a boy. I feel like the, the boy becoming friends with his monsters, as I did when I was a kid, is very typical. Right. And I thought Emily would be a, a new
2: and a more interesting protagonist to, to have these friendships.
0: Oh, especially
2: like when he was, and as far as the like visual conception of it, when he was starting to write about a little girl, I mean, I've got one And she was about that age when we started doing this. Because we did this maybe, what, maybe four or five years ago? About four or five years ago. And my daughter's now 10, but she was about five or six. So I took a lot of my visual cues and some of the body language from her. Yeah, yeah. She can be a little salty sometimes. (laughs) And, you know, but still really, really sweet at the same time. And then the idea of her with her little pigtails. And I took some of my fashion cues, you know, the big (laughs) rubber boot rubber boots with skirts. Um, I did that, No, and the onesies that she would wear. So I, I, I like using uh, using my kids a lot for, especially for the children's books that we do, as far as just kind of taking some of my visual cues and body language from them.
0: That's interesting. because I was gonna ask, you know, from the visual, you know, how do you kind of come up? I think, you know, sometimes with, with writing, you know, you can think about like the words, like, okay, how to, you know, make this appear like a younger kid. But from the visual, um, I didn't think about kind of thinking about, you know, the world around you and taking those same cues. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit? How do you kind of be inspired to draw like a kid? How do you stop it from being super cartoonish? You know, how do you strike that balance?
2: <laughs> I, I I'm, I'm probably don't have any kind of real methodology behind it. It's kind of, it's kind of a feeling. Um, if it feels right. Like if you looked at the art style between Magic Boxing Gloves, Mickey's March and Schmonster, they're all they have their own unique feel, even though yeah. I drew all of them. Mm-hmm. And it looks nothing like my comic book work if you looked at that. So I, I kind of reserve separate styles for different stories. And um, if it feels right is what I kind of go with and I try to stay consistent within the within the project. Um, as far as inspiration. It's it's anything. I try to grab from anything. I talked to Brian Stelfries, and he was, you know, he's a comic book artist, a veteran, and you know, with all the big uh, comic book uh, industry, industry, uh, I don't know what companies. Companies, there (laughs) you go. See, he's the writer. He's got the words. But um, he said, you you can't draw if you don't understand the world around you. You got to keep your eyes open, and that's the way. What you're doing when you put things on the paper is the way that you interpret interpret what you see so that way you can ground them um i don't like drawing without a lot of reference because that's what people relate to when they're reading something or they're trying to look at something visually it has to be grounded in something that they understand um if i if i draw a spaceship it has to be relatable to like an airplane or some kind of aircraft that people can you know relate to Instead of just giving them some foreign right. objects, so I kind of I, anything I draw is going to have some kind of grounded grounded reference. So of course my kids are going to really play into what I do on children's books. Um, maybe not the robot book,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> and also I just want to point yeah. out um, you uh, use watercolors for the for the first monster book, and that was your yeah. really your first time
2: playing with watercolors. So that really affected the art style of this particular series mm. as well. Yeah, I had never really done anything with watercolors. I maybe did one commission art piece mm-hmm. um, for uh, one of my coworkers once, and I wanted to play with it some more, and he handed me this, and I busted out my watercolors, dug in my my trove of, I don't know, I have way too many art supplies that I don't <laughs> use. And I pulled out my watercolor set and some watercolor paper and just started going to town and, you know, I remember when he texted me, you're like, I'm going to watercolor this one. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. He'd never cool. seen me do anything.
1: <laughs>
2: watercolor. Let's, let's see. And but it, it really has,
1: works. Uh, digitally for the other books, it's still, you, you keep that palette.
0: It, it's really interesting again, because like I can barely do a stick figure. So it's really nice and refreshing to hear about how, it's it's a very similar process right to looking around your environment being inspired letting that kind of lead the process using it to kind of ground you and then putting your artistic flair i love how all the different projects have their own unique life you know i, I love those projects you know what i mean when it's like not everything is the same because all the characters are different all the stories are different so that makes me really excited about your creative process um we also have another question slash comment. It says, you guys are so talented. Um, Moreland, what old school monster movie needs a modern reboot? Ooh, okay, what? Oh, oh what? I, this is a good one. What is a reboot? What is a good, good reboot? I will say. The gremlins for me because I remember being a kid and Gremlins scared me.
1: <laughs> uh, have you watched so any scared. of the, the Gremlins uh, cartoon show? They've, they've actually kind of got a new one. I think it's new really? I haven't watched it yet, but I've heard really good things. Um, yeah, I was going to go much older. We, I feel like there's a lot of potential in either a Creature of the Black Lagoon, again for that modern monster design. Um, you could play play something like what they did with Last Voyage of the Meter recently, with kind of like the alien on a boat mentality. Or um, I uh, have a huge, huge fondness for Frankenstein's Monster and Frankenstein, and I feel like we haven't had a good take on Frankenstein anytime recently. Normally, they're trying to give us some kind of action push. When really, if you think about it, Frankenstein is a story by a fifteen-year-old girl with all of the passion and emotion and understanding of the world that a 15-year-old girl in the early 1800s has, and that angle on Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster and their conflict, I think is really fascinating. And if you had the right director, uh, Greta Gerwig maybe could actually do something really, really fascinating. Uh she directed Barbie recently. Um oh, and also uh the little woman remake that came out recently that was just absolutely spectacular with Cher Sharon Uh I think she could actually do something really fascinating with the uh, the Frankenstein monster concept.
0: Oh listen, I'm getting excited. You might have to have some type of collab here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm curious from the art side, right? Is there a remake that you would... So, okay, actually, another thought. So if you were to reimagine Frankenstein vision... Oh. No, we
2: if- gotta go back and do that. That was... Uh, on my part, it was terrible. He knew, he did a lot better job than I did. I've actually been <laughs> shipped the first couple issues, so yes. no, don't do
0: too much. <laughs> I, I was right. about to say, do you already have a Frankenstein remake? No, no, no. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to do a, so if you were going to do a remake, it looks like it'd be that comic, but if you were going to do like a Frankenstein remake or a mashup, what would that look like visually? Would it be a watercolor type of like, anything come to mind for you?
2: Oh, I haven't, honestly have no idea I I for the most part he hands me almost a completed project before any visuals start coming in I can't get a I can't get a good feel for something until I have you know he handed me a full manuscript for for monster before I ever drew a page and so I had an idea had a feeling and a color palette and I kind of let it mull I mull over it and I think the same thing would go for anything that he pitches me you know, I'll sit on it, I'll read the entire thing, and then kind of see what images come into my head. And then I start playing with it. Oh,
1: what is my favorite <laughs> um,
2: I'll,
1: I'll um, look at his notes that he writes on a script that I've done. Because what he'll do, he'll read my scripts, but he'll start blocking them out. Even if I've already got like a panel layout that I kind of have in my head of how it'll uh, exist on a page, um, he'll like kind of block it out to the side in his notes. And again, that's where he finds way more visually dynamic looks at what at the story I'm trying to tell than I ever could. So it, it's so fun and so interesting to see my work through his eyes, even before he starts putting the, the actual images to paper to see how, his, how he's functioning versus how I function. Yeah.
0: That seems like really exciting. Like, there's been times of writing, like, I wish I could have, like, you know, tell <laughs> someone and see it, you know. So I I love that. Um, Please tell folks, where can they pick up all of your stories, your comics, you know, where can they follow y'all?
2: You go first. Uh, I'm on, no, I don't have just as many as you do. (laughs) I'm on Instagram, uh, uh, Doodles on Demand, Doodles on Demand on Instagram. I think it's Demand Your Doodle on Facebook. Yeah. Um, I think it's Derek Doodles on Demand on TikTok. And I think it's just D-Chan. Sixty-one on uh, Twitter, but I don't use that much. I'm just now starting, and is it going away? Um, It it is a uh, a horrible trashy. I'm I'm going to get you on Blue Sky if I can. Okay, I don't know what Blue Sky is, so new Twitter.
0: Oh, Oh. ah, there's been a lot of those popping up. (laughs) Yes, yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, I am Schmonster maker everywhere. I managed to lock that one down on pretty much all the social media sites. So if you're looking for me, you just look for at Maker and uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, you can find our books uh, on uh, tabletoppublishing.com. That's the back of the book.
2: It, it, isn't the thing on there?
1: Right there. Oh, there, right it. there.
2: Tabletop.
1: Yes, tabletop publishing. Uh, if you want to read any of our comics, uh, those you'll still have to get through us. You can either find us at a convention or hit us up on any of our multiple websites. We do have a complete. Or three if you catch me series. on the
2: if you catch me on the street, I might have some in my trunk. I can sell you. <laughs> I got some good comics <laughs> for you. Uh, the creation <laughs> miniseries "Space is
1: Awful" that we did together—that's uh, a complete story uh, available in single issues. Um, basically, by hitting us up, uh, we've talked to some publishers. Uh, we'll see what happens. We don't really have a uh, any kind of direct answer on that one yet. Um, and then we will have more projects coming out through Tabletop in the future. I know uh, the other two Schmonster sequels, uh, sequels have already been announced. Uh, Schmos the Ghost and Schmonster Schmakes a New Friend will be coming out by the end of the year. Very and, cool. uh, yeah, um, we are really excited for everything we've got coming
0: out from Tabletop and everything we've got coming forward in the future. Very cool. Um, question for those who are listening and they're just like you know i love comics and i just don't know how to turn it into a children's book or another medium right like any tips for balancing that love of comic and you know making it translate to again either like a children's book or some other type of form that's
1: a fascinating question um page count that is first and foremost. What I think a lot of people don't really consider uh, when working on a medium like this is how few pages you actually have to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one. That was one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was learning how to kill his darlings. Yes. <laughs> how to you know I have on a typical comic book it has twenty pages. So you have twenty pages to get your beginning, middle, and end told. Wow. So if you can master and you really don't want to go more than say five or six panels a page unless you're trying to do something very specific with pacing on that page or you know if you use if you're trying to get a big splash page until a a very specific image all by itself so if you can master the idea of okay i've got 20 pages to tell an entire story with a cliffhanger but this story also has to have basically a beginning middle and end you have to have character progression you take care of all of that with basically steal a line from G Willow Wilson a haiku's worth of dialogue per page Mm -hmm. Um, you can take that and you can translate that into a children's book by again knocking down even more panels per page knocking down even more words per page you get to the heart and essence of the story that you're trying to tell and basically you have to put that heart on every single page because that's what it's all about that's what it that's the the essence of the story is, is your children's book. You can't really, there's not a lot of room for nuance or sarcasm or ineffective communication. You know, you're telling a story to a kid, you are trying to tell this, you know, you want to make it as, as bald
2: and as, as awesome and as prominent as possible. Now yeah. he's my, something that he's definitely learned how to do is to let me do my job. Yes. You know, that. I mean, he would, he would put so many words on a page when we first started kind of working together and he's pulled it back to under, you know, like I, when I talk about body language, so yeah. body language, which a lot of that is conveyed by your posture right. or your facial expression or your, what your hands are doing and letting me do that part of it or setting the tone by, you know, the, Tone of the colors, or the shading, or or what's focused on, and he's really gotten a good a good handle on writing those words for the descriptor. But then telling me, well, you do it. You probably see this better than I do, and he lets me do my job as a as an illustrator. and And that's where where it really kind of comes together. He is very succinct and direct in what he is trying to put on script, which is the visual the you know, visibly what words are being being uh, written out on the page, but then letting the picture do you know, pictures worth a thousand words. Absolutely, as as there's so many visual cues that can give you so much information about a story, and he really lets me do that um, with every every panel or every page that he has me illustrate. So and I'm,
0: I'm glad you touched on that because i was going to ask um about what tips that you have because i i still can see that image that you had of emily where she's kind of like she has the hockey stick it's so visual and there's so much that that image is, is portraying and so i like that you know thinking about the facial expression the body language the colors right and there's not like a whole lot in that image i think sometimes we think of like kids being overstimulated with video you don't have a whole lot right it's just like you have this beautifully colored background and she's really the visual and so i think there's that beautiful balance of like you don't have to have a whole lot going on to entertain kids. You just have to have some really either great keywords and pairing that with a really visual image that they can relate to. And so I appreciate again, that that partnership about, you know, again, like you didn't overdo it. You just did, you have that right balance.
2: Yeah. And I was, you know, and I've, I've spoken to people about this before, especially like when I'm watching a movie with my wife, <laughs> something will pop up. If we're watching a movie and something pops up on the screen, I'm like, why did they put that in there? And there's a reason. They spent money on shooting this one shot and making sure that it made it into the cut and you saw it on screen. So I kind of take, keep that in mind. If I'm drawing mm-hmm. something, I can put every detail that's in the room, but I want to focus on something and I want your eyes to be focused on that. So if I'm going to take the time to, to draw it, I want to make sure that it gets seen. So. Overdrawing things can be detrimental to the creative process, storytelling. So I try not to go too crazy. Sometimes I might draw something as a little funny as, to myself, and I've talked to Jessica about this in, uh, like Mickey's March. I'll put <laughs> something on the page that is funny to me, but unless you visit with me about it, you're never going to know it's there. So <laughs> and I yeah. It my scripts, mm-hmm. yeah, there'll, there'll be little in
1: jokes or side jokes for us, or just something that makes me chuckle and you have not drawn
2: some because sometimes I put something in there that's inappropriate and you probably shouldn't draw it? <laughs> I've gotten some of the scripts that he sent me for the children's books and the descriptors are like, well, that's not going in the book. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, again, I think it's a great reminder that, that less is, is more. Um, and again, like from the writing side, sometimes you try and give too much and it's just like, you know, again, less is more. Um, I want to make sure we get this question in. It says, can you tell us about Schmonster the Ghost? Please tell us oh, about Shmo- that. Schmoos. the, um, the twist ending of So, so wait, who Schmoose. is Schmoos, first of all? And who is Schmoose the Ghost?
1: Um, the twist ending of Schmonster the Monster is that uh, now uh, Emily and Schmonster are both scared of the Schmoos in the closet. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. then in the sequel, Schmos the Ghost, we actually switch perspectives and we learn that uh, Schmoast haunts Emily's closet and he wants to be their friend too, but he doesn't know how to ask. He sees these two best friends playing and he's just like, but I'm, I'm just me, and I don't think I'm good enough. And I'm, I kind of wonder if they're going to be scared of me or think I'm too dumb or think I'm too silly and not want to have anything to do with me. And it's about Schmost learning to, be, to overcome his fear and be brave and reach out and try to make new friends as well.
0: Oh, that's such a lovely story. <laughs> <laughs> that is so kind. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we're really excited. Schmost has been a, a big hit for us. He's a an adorable character. The kids really seem to love the story seems to really connect. I want to say uh, Schmost will actually be coming out September 12th. And that is going to be our first sequel to Schmonster. Um, I'm a
2: big I'm a big fan. I felt like I really uh, leveled up when I did Schmost. I thought I thought it turned out really well. And you know, and he says that and when I saw the script for it, I did layouts one week and a, a Wanna say two weeks later we had a finished book. Wow. So it, wow. Yeah, once I got the manuscript for it, I was so pumped. It probably took us about three weeks to go from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And then like a week after that we had the books in our hand because it was just it was such a there was so much energy in it and and I was really excited it was kind it in a bottle It just
1: mm-hmm. ended up everything we wanted to do with it just worked immediately from from page one. Mm-hmm. Um one of the, probably one of the easiest collaborations we've done it, I feel like.
0: Wow. Let's- and it seems like you have a well-oiled machine, <laughs> I, Peter, for all yeah, the di- different, um, <laughs> all the different stories that you have. Um, uh, we have another comment. I just got the fiscal copies. Yay! Stunning. It looks so good. That is super exciting. Yeah. Um, I cannot wait. So, what we'll kind of question? Another question. Do you know how many sequels there will be to the this monster saga, or oh, it's still like living and breathing?
1: We've completed three books we have ideas for at least three more Ow. and um i kind of my my big goal is to get to book six because book six is the Night jamboree
2: and uh, <laughs> i want to be kind of my avengers
1: where all the uh the sponsors the, the, the and, and all the monsters of the world kind of come together for a big sleepover and i want to have like kind of a, a big fun goofy maybe even more action-oriented story for that one and um I don't know. After finishing that jamboree, we might we up, might be going. Um, probably, um, there's always another monster somewhere, and there's always something to to talk about. So, absolutely, um, we're and we're we're oh. having fun with it. So. Oh.
0: I think that's the important thing to continue to have fun with it. Um, I agree with tabletop. Hopefully, it continues forever. Um, <laughs> again, the images, the stories—it it just seems quite wonderful. Um, for those listening, you know, what age group is this a good story for? You know, who should buy this?
2: Yeah, I let you answer this. Uh huh. Yeah, <laughs>
1: four to eight, um, maybe. Uh, I I kick it almost closer uh, to ten. Um, I will say uh, a very dear friend of mine has a daughter who is now, I want to say, 14. Uh, She not only has read all three, uh, she sent us our first fan letter. I want to say she was probably 10 or 11 when she sent it. And she um, sent us the suggestions of Shmummy the Mummy, Shvampire the Vampire, Um, Shmodzilla. Oh, (laughs) Shmodzilla. I love that. (laughs) Kaiju Um, Kaiju (laughs) Kaiju books. That would be awesome. And I'm afraid I can never remember Lizzie's third monster, but the Shmummy really stuck out to me because I was like, that's such a wonderful rhyme. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I would say, yeah, probably five to six is a starting age and then just kind of up depending on how uh, how much your child enjoys reading. I'd probably say 10 or 11 is maybe the kappa for these. Um, I don't know.
2: What's uh, Where your, do your kids kind of fall on that one? Uh, I have a t- year old that still reads them and you know wants me to sit there and read them to her and you know the low down low down my 13 year old and 15 year olds still get into them they're just like <laughs> yeah, I like these they'll read them too um if you uh get a hold of Miki's March uh this one right here the one that the first one that tabletop released from um uh, with me was uh all the voices on there I mean I read some of it but all four of my kids read on there and I didn't even have to I didn't even have to coerce my 15 year old <laughs> and my 13 year old to, to read them. So they they enjoyed it. So
0: absolutely like, I, and I think this a comment from Tabletop really sums it up. It says three and up young kids and kids at heart if uh read it to a newborn and up that (laughs) that's me absolutely right because i'm looking at it and like i want my own copy i want a copy for like my nieces it's again just it's so visually fun the story seems so relatable um it's not text heavy tabletop says so toddlers can engage really well um again i cannot wait for more stories um, again, folks, if you look at the comment that's pinned, tabletoppublishing.com is where you can get all of their stories and more. Um, Derek and Derek, it has been wonderful. Please do not be a stranger. Please let us know everything that you're up to. And I can't wait to see more of your stories. Absolutely. Thank you, Thank so, you, much you so much, Travis. Bye, everyone. Thanks for hanging out.